This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. Hello, all my spoiler room fans out there, all you listeners out there. Thank you so much for your support, and welcome to another episode of the spoiler room. And tonight... Go figure, we talked about the trilogy last week, and so this week we're talking about Mad Max Fury Road, and I have a packed house tonight in the spoiler room here with us. Let's go right down the list. Cole, how are you tonight, sir? Magnificent. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, glad to have you back, especially since you were on our trilogy discussion, so this should definitely yeah, be interesting. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, and I literally <laughs> just stepped out of a 645 show for Fury Road for the third time, so... <laughs> Um, I wonder what he thought. <laughs> you got one up on me, man. And then, of course, the diva of the spoiler room who I dragged to this film. Uh, yeah, it wasn't really that hard right. to drag her to the film. No, not at all. <laughs> Hello, Don. How are you? Welcome back. I am fabulous. Awesome. Nice to be here. Fantastic. Glad you could make it. And the BFD is back. The one... And only Glenn Bittner. Hello, sir. <laughs> Way to be enthused here to talk about this film. He saves his energy. <laughs> well, he's got his pitcher of water. He's all good. And then back from the wasteland himself, the man who has been gone for so long playing ninja, it is Mr. One and Only, the Bowtie Man, Paul Salzar. Paul, welcome back to the room. I'm, I'm just good to be back. I'm shiny and chrome right now. Shiny and chrome, yes, you are. And then we have here, of course, returning to us as well, Mr. Scott Davis. Hello, sir. Hey, uh, you know, I, I let me do some inventory. I, I don't need another hero. I don't need to know the way home. I just all I want is what's beyond Thunderdome, and I'll be good tonight. Okay. Well, we'll definitely be talking about what went beyond Thunderdome tonight. And finally, last but not least. Oh come least. on, Mark! Can't we just oh, get beyond Thunderdome? I'm glad I set that up for you, sir. Last, but definitely not least, the one and only, you can feel the energy in the room. It is Mr. Tiger Power himself, Tony Estrada. Welcome back to the room, Tony. What's up, you guys? Got my yeah. haircut? I'm ready for this. To awesome. Tony's ready with this. He's got his shield and sword ready because uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about Fury Road. And if you've seen his review, you know uh, he is an island. So tonight... <laughs> <laughs> We love I, you, Tony. We love you. We love you, Tony. So tonight, yes, oh, trust me. I love all you guys, too. That's what makes Fury, this an awesome podcast. Fury Road, the <laughs> R-rated film that came out this past weekend, the fourth installment, but not a sequel, but could have been, but reboot, but not. Eh, it's its own entity. It is Fury Road, brought to us by the original creator of Mad Max, giving us the story once again of Mad Max, who ends up getting <laughs> entangled like he always does in some kind of squabble in which we have, uh, I always miss the name, Imperator Furiosa, who is the uh, driver of the war rig of a clan, if you want, I guess you could say, uh, ran by... Uh, uh, was it Immortan Joe? And she decides to go rogue and head across the wasteland with a number of Immortan Joe's uh, lovely brides or wives, breeders actually, breeders. breeders. And uh, so yeah, she decides just, to yeah, kidnap them. You know, Kim Deal was in there. Kelly Deal was in there. Yes. Justin Wiggs. All the breeders were there. All the breeders were there. <laughs> and he, she tries to take them away from Immortan Joe and take them to her place where she was born, the supposed Greenland. And Mad Max. Ends up being taken along for the ride. <laughs> um, yes, folks, I can say this. I'll give my opinion right now because we always start these with just kind of initial thoughts. Uh, this film delivered even more than what the trailer promised for myself. <laughs> it's the first film in a long time that has come out to the theater that I actually went back to the theater and saw twice on the big screen. Tells you what type of movie that is. Uh, let's go with Glenn first, because uh, I've caught him. <laughs> Chewy. <laughs> I did that on purpose. 
Drinking like a boss. Test, test, test. Um, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. <laughs> um, what do you say? Ask me. Ask me. What do you want to know? I was going to say, did, did, did it surprise you? No. No? Did not. Because I did something I don't usually do when I let my hopes get way up. I got my expectations way up. Um, for a variety of reasons. One is that it's George Miller mm-hmm. and just George Miller <laughs> doing what he wanted to do and Toe Cutter was back and practical effects, baby. Yes. Those things right there <laughs> made me go, yep. And and I did see the trailers and I saw some stills and stuff like that. So I'm like, I saw funky cars. I saw Max, and I like I love Tom Hardy. I think he's amazing and mm-hmm. everything that's well written. <clears throat> Christopher Nolan, Batman, not Batman. Um, <laughs> so I I had very high expectations, and it it met them. Um, I mean, I was I was expecting something to be, if not, I was expecting I was actually expecting this to be better than Road Warrior, and I feel it was. Okay. Wow. So nice. I, I was expecting it to be a Road Warrior esque movie with a budget, a right. big budget, and that's mm-hmm. what I got. Yep. And it yep. wasn't all. And because it was George Miller, I, I knew it wasn't going to be just flash in the pan glam, and you know the. Just because you can do something with CG, CG doesn't mean you should. Right. And they didn't. They did practical effects. And they used CG to enhance the practical effects as opposed to. CG in place of effects. So, excellent. And uh, Don, uh, what about you? Your impression with the Mad Max film? I also quite enjoyed it. I thought it was an excellent addition to the franchise. I was hugely impressed and pleased with the fact that it stayed Mad Max. Mm-hmm. It stayed the survivor, the the broken survivor, with subtle nods to the movies that came before without being overt. Mm-hmm. I liked um, the strength of the characters were sure. just were just excellent, and I love the fact that they really didn't do any romance crap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely be talking about the characters because the three main ones especially, but uh, some of the other ones as well tonight. But yes, definitely did not miss the romance crap. Uh, <laughs> Cole, you've seen it three times. I can kind of guess what your impression of this film was. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm a massive fan, and I set myself up because I posted all this stuff before it came out about it. So if I didn't like it, I was going to yeah. look like a real asshole. You know? <laughs> um, and I, I really, no, I mean, I'm serious. And I kind of thought at the worst, or even at the best, but, you know, I kind of thought more or less, and this was idiotic of me, that it was going to be like a kind of an update of the Road Warrior. Because mm-hmm. that was the most successful one. That's kind of the standard and I kind of thought, oh, okay, you know, especially when I heard Reboot. I read so little about the movie just to keep the spoilers away. Mm-hmm. But when I heard it wasn't tied into any of them, that it was actually a reboot, I, uh, I started to think, okay, it'll probably be more of a, a Road Warrior thing. And that was just a personal take on it. So and I don't know why I thought that. This is so not that. This is a reboot. <laughs> and for the first time, you actually go into Max's head a little bit. Yes. And not through dialogue. You know, mm-hmm. they don't write. I mean, he doesn't have, in fact, he probably has less lines than he did in the Road, Road Warrior. I didn't <laughs> oh, yeah. Him. But you find out so much more about him. Uh, that's that The opening scene before the titles even roll is so thrilling. I mean, how many times can you tell the same story through narration, but it felt fresh? Maybe it was just Tom Hardy's delivery, as Glenn said. He's amazing. Um, but the way they set up, you know, the apocalypse and the world you're living in felt, you know, not totally original, but, you know, it's a spoonful of sugar for sure, man. <laughs> and um, this is just a great film. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. And I don't want to give away too much up front, but, yep. you know, 
there's this <laughs> you have this instinct to be like it's not my favorite film of all time. Sure. Because sure. You, you know you, you almost don't want to admit it just because Yeah. <laughs> but it might be it sure. might be my favorite film, you know. Nice. And yeah. uh Paul, how about you, sir? Impressions? Were you surprised when you came out of it? I was not surprised. Uh, I was uh, thoroughly pleased because <laughs> I really did want the Road Warrior type movie. I didn't really like Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> I really didn't. And I, I, I like to see more car car battles, act, mm. you know, exciting stunts, wasteland scenes, and this movie actually de delivered that. It also delivered like all those twists and complications that I kind of like to see in a Mad Max film. And it had a it had the perfect ending for a Mad Max film. So mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later. Yes, definitely. And uh, Scott, uh, how about you, sir? Your impression after you get out of the theater? Well, um, you know, you'd asked, was I, you were asking like, uh, yep. were you like, surprised? Glenn, like Glenn, like you're, yeah, you were asking like, are you surprised? I was surprised. Now, yeah, and I'm so glad we didn't get Phantom Menace on this one. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it could have happened so easily. Because, I mean, and I was like just writing this review. I wrote, you know, one of my typical long rambling reviews today of it. And um, I was talking about how, you know, diehard fans of this movie were waiting for 30 years, you know. It would be almost understandable if, it, if those expectations could not be met. Um, and so I was, but, and, but, uh, so I was like, you know, going on, like, was this the film that, that people have been waiting, that fans have been waiting 30 years for? I said, no, it had, no, it wasn't. It was actually so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen it twice as well. I think I said in my review that in terms of like, of, uh, spectacle, thematic material, character development, this is... The act in for the entire world, not just the fans. The action film we didn't realize we needed so badly. Yeah, I, I mean, think about it. Think about everything you saw on the screen. Think about how it made you feel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it it like actually filled a part that I had forgot we had lost over the <laughs> yeah. years. I mean, it was that good. Where I was like, geez, and I saw it again to, to make sure. You know, like so I was like, you know, I think I really liked that movie a lot. And I watched it again thinking, okay, and usually on the second viewing, a lot of things kind of simmer out and the flaws kind of stand out more. And I'm like, no, I like it even more. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my second viewing, I think I just, I didn't enjoy it quite as much. <laughs> Really? Uh, yes. No, I'm nice. joking. <laughs> oh. Don was with me. Uh, she she was chuckling as I rocked back in my chair in glee. So. Yes. <laughs> I th yeah, I think I did read a status uh, update that uh, Don uh, on Facebook where you said that more fun than watching the movie even was seeing Mark's reaction. I think you said. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Feel free that to share that pretty with much us. <laughs> giddy, giddy like a schoolgirl, bouncing. Mm -hmm. Aww. Yeah. 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 I'm passionate about film. What can I say? And uh, last but not least, Tony, your impression with the film. I want to hear this. <laughs> well, when I went into this movie, a lot of people were hyped up. Me, I'm kind of in the, this doesn't look too bad. Like, I like how they marketed the, tr the movie. Like, the trailers I thought were brilliant. It didn't show much. But it was just the movie itself that was all like, this looks kind of okay to me. So, but I did want to go into this movie hoping it wouldn't be too bad. It would surprise me. And you know what? Um, I got to say... The movie wasn't that bad. It was horrible, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I said I said this in my movie review. I tried to like this movie. I tried to get invested in this world, but it was just so hard when everything was just action, 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 little story, then action and more action. And trust me, the action, that's one of my positives. It is well filmed. The cinematography, gorgeous. The performances from Tom Hardy, Charlie Theron, Nicholas Holt, they're all great. The, the, the thing that just really bugged me about this movie was just that the action, some of the shots is that some of the shots were like move very rap, uh, rapidly, like boom, and another shot, boom, rapid, boom, mm -hmm. boom. 
and then the editing too, I thought it got really choppy, and I felt like the movie lacked exploring its characters. Like, they tried to develop Charlize Theron a couple of times, but I never got fully invested in her character, and they, the same goes to Tom Hardy as Mad Max, and the same goes to Nicholas Holt as Nux. So as much as I want to get into this movie, I just couldn't because the storyline did not make much sense to me. I thought it was poorly edited, and I really hated how it was executed. Uh, my head just hurt by the time the movie ended. I'm sorry, you guys. You know what? Though um, no, I, no, I'm going to give you a little back. I'm going to give you a little backup on this here, uh, on Tony. Um, first of all, I can give you two actually. It's like one is um, um, I. One of my first, the first podcast I ever did was a show called Film Geek Central. I did it with my old friend Austin Kennedy, absolutely as big of a movie nut as I am, and right. uh, he hated it too. And he hated it for the exact same reason he said he said he didn't couldn't follow what was going on. It was too much action, not enough character, and it made his head hurt the way it was shot. So um, he pretty much had the same um, the same opinion that I had with the movie. Pretty much, pretty much, and. Uh, I will also say that the second time I saw this movie, I took some friends of mine. Now, these friends, they're not super young, but they're younger. They're, I'd yeah. say, that they, they technically just barely millennials, I'd say. You know, early 80s birthday and stuff like that. They hated it, too. Uh, they yeah, I've had, I've had friends who, like, have messaged me and been like, are you seriously recommending this to me? Yeah, they couldn't. So, they, I mean, they couldn't I just wanted to show you it might be kind of a cult thing, even as big as it is. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not for everybody, man. Yeah, and and I can completely see that perspective, Tony. And and I posted on the forum, and I made a generalization. I shouldn't because there are uh, uh, younger, you know, fans, cult fans out there that are really. Truly, you know, they they like the something different, and this type of film they really enjoyed. But I have seen a lot of uh, younger uh, fans uh, having that uh, same complaints that you had about the film, and there's absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, man. It, you know, don't feel bad at all because part of the thing with this film is that if you're not used to this type of film or have not watched many of these films, I can definitely see that perspective. Um, but especially after uh, marathoning the first three films, going into this one, it really felt like it. you were just... I w- we were talking about it with Don. Uh, Don and I were afterwards, uh, and you guys uh, can chime in. With this film, I can see where a number of movie viewers may get lost because... You aren't really given a lot of explanation. You are just dropped into a window into this world, and <laughs> stuff is happening. Yep. My, and, my my younger friends there, uh, and I love them dearly. It was so hard not to strangle them, but <laughs> I love them. They're good, they're good no people. No Tony. They're good. They're good. No, no. Tony's too cool. I wanted to strangle them, but oh. my friends. But I, I. But they're awesome people. Otherwise, uh, is that they said I didn't. Get it? Why would why why were there why were people dressed so funny? What's wrong with the world? <laughs> and uh, they didn't get it. And I said I said there were the gasoline wars, the water world, the wars, the uh, the the nuclear war. He says, when did they say that? I said right in the beginning. Like what? Those thirty seconds? He's like he's like so yeah. It it dropped him in too quick, and you know they they had. I I'm not gonna make any blanket things about who who's seen what my friends i know had not seen any of the others mm-hmm. and so they they couldn't they could they just couldn't get into it you know well i, I, still, I still want to strangle them but i mean yeah. still. <laughs> what were you gonna say Glenn? Hey, let me just add tony You're oh yeah go wrong. ahead man completely wrong you should burn in hell no, <laughs> I, I, I can never watch your reviews again <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding man i'm kidding Someone had to play. Oh no! Oh no! Problem. No, problem. <laughs> no, I I can see that Tony and I'm trying not to make sound like a get off my lawn moment, but George Miller is a guy who hadn't directed a film in in quite some time. Uh, he did do the original trilogy, and he basically hijacked a budget and made his own film. He did not make a modern action film. This action film could easily I think have fit in the late 80s. I mean, it looks fantastic. 
But this film definitely could feel down to the 3D effects. Folks, Don and I chuckled about it. He used the 3D effects in this film like it was the 80s again. I noticed that even though even though I've never even though I didn't see it in 3D, I I noticed that he was who who here saw it in 3D? Glenn, did you see it in 3D? No, I don't no. watch 3D. Yeah, my, my event yeah. screen wasn't 3D. That's something I will give the film is yeah. that the 3D actually does pop because <laughs> it's the reason why I don't. I really don't even see 3D unless my advanced screens I go to are in 3D, really. But mm-hmm. as far as 3Ds go, I will say that this is probably the best film in terms of 3D because some of the films I see in 3D lately, it's all like nothing pops like but I will give Mad Max Fury Road this at least the 3D works like with the like the guitarist that guitarist that has a flamethrower coming out of his guitar like the way the 3D popped in that that looked freaking great you guys and then when the the movie title popped up in the beginning I mean I was all like holy crap this is 3D right here. Uh, uh, Cole, did you see it in 3D? Uh, I have not. I have an appointment Thursday morning to see it in 3D. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be literally my first IMAX experience. Oh, wow. Um, nice. The nice. show and uh, drive down there and see it. Uh, I'll tell you, though, I, it almost makes me hesitate because the movie looks so good in 2D. I mean, it does. What a what a gritty experience. Um there's a couple of glossy CG shots, but really not many aside from the storm sequence. It's yeah. all pretty mm-hmm. right down in the dirt, you know? Um well, but no, I haven't seen it in 3D yet. No. And Paul, you said you didn't, right? I did not. No. Okay, but Don and I did and the first thing that came out of there was He's an 80s director, and he used 3D like 80s directors used 3D. Just like you mentioned, Tony, that title popping out of the screen on flames. It was just like that. And the scene with the guitar flying towards <laughs> God. As, not- as cheesy as that might have seemed, if you watched any 80s 3D film, they did that throughout those films. And so when he did that, I'm like... Wow, that's just made me feel totally like I was back in the 80s. You know, the reason I don't watch 3D uh, is because my eyes don't process it. Sure. Uh, my yeah. eyes haven't been able to process that since I was about uh, like 9 or 10 years old because of various surgeries and shit that I've had over the years. Before that, I saw a few few things in 3D. You know, there's a I did an episode on Space Hunter of my movieocrity show and stuff. And I got to tell you, yeah, when the, the title came up and the, the electric guitar coming out of the screen with the speakers and stuff, I thought, man... That, yeah. if, 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 I, I, I don't really miss 3D that much, but I said, man, you know what? I'll bet you that – I'll bet you this was like – oh, so that was like what it would have been like if Metal Storm had a $100 million budget. You know? <laughs> that would have been awesome. It, it was like Treasure of the Four Crowns with oh. the popcorn popper that come – the handle comes straight down and points directly at the audience and flies at you. Yeah. Um, it just was handled so well. So – uh, let's. I want to talk about the, our, our kind of our uh, characters here. Some of them because we do have a wide variety of them. And actually, I was reading an article today. Apparently, George Miller came up with just a little backstory with every type of character and every character in the film before they did the movie. So uh, it tells you what type of uh, imagination he has. Uh, but let's start off with the main character, Max. Paul, uh, your impressions of of Max. I think. Uh, what did you think of Hardy in this role? I thought it was uh, interesting. It, it felt like they showed us the continuation of the Max character. I mean, um, you got uh, Mel Gibson who played him extremely well, but this looked like he he like he spent more time in the wasteland, and it it seemed a little he seemed a little bit more crazy. He's and, gone, he's gone even more crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I really thought that that was a really nice touch and and this movie really does do a good job of of adding those little nice little nuances and and like someone uh, had already stated they you really dig more into his mindset uh, with with uh, the things that he's he's starting to see he's starting to see things about his past coming back and it just and it actually 
you know, it even affects the way he does things in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it pops up at him, and you know, he just blah, you know. <laughs> and it, I thought that that was just a really nice touch to the character, yeah. especially when you wanted to see. I really truly want to see this not as a reboot, but as a continuation of the story. So. Well, I think yeah. Uh, we'll take a minute. Would everyone agree? The way they shot this film, it could be a standalone, but at the same time, you could feel like it was part of the other three films, couldn't you? It, it had that feel of yeah. almost both. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Both, I'd say. I, I called, I mean, and of course I just pulled this right out of my butt, but uh, the uh, I, I called it a soft reboot. Uh-huh. In other words, that yeah, it's, it was they were rebooting it, but it wasn't like you know, a, Amazing Spider-Man where you got the original all over again. It actually referenced stuff from all of the different movies mm-hmm. subtly, but I thought that they, um, they of course changed things about like what happened to his wife and kid. That was different, uh, and they also I also I think they changed a lot about the actual Max character, which was a ballsy move, if you ask me. Well, but they did it. I think they did it a little subtly with it, though, because you could take his. You could take his hallucination or his, how he's, you know, how he was haunted by these images, as real or having been affected over the years. So they're an amalgamation of some things. So yes, yes. Am I? I mean, you could take it as they've changed it and his family got killed by something else, by cars over, or you could take it as he's he's gone so mad that images are overlapping on themselves in exactly. his. Psychosis. He could, he, he could see that. It, it does. It does also age and and uh, switch genders for his kid, though. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. That's true. <laughs> okay. But no, I no, I totally see that. Like for instance, like when he's running down in the beginning, he's running down that hall. And he sees, you know, he sees his wife and he sees his daughter. He also sees like this old, looks like an old Aboriginal man at one point. I'm yes. like, Whoa. Okay, that was odd. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the kid might not necessarily be his daughter either. Glenn, uh, your impression with the Max character and his psychosis, do you think they rewrote him, or do you think they were trying to kind of bridging that gap between? Um, I think it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that could have easily been touched on in the previous movies. I mean, the traumas that he went through, with you know his, I mean his partner and then his wife and his kid, and all that stuff, and then just the you know these experiences in the other films. I mean you know the uh, he's always he always ends up being the loner, um, even when he's the hero. Yeah. You know it's 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 never in this movie is it the uh, you know he's not the the shining knight that you know that gets the girl in the end and you know rides away uh, in the sunset you know with the princess. It's, he doesn't get that. Um, he's he's a tragic character in a lot of ways and i think i think this is something that could have easily been in the other movies it wasn't and i think it's just it was building upon that Mm -hmm. um with a little maybe a little rewrite because um we don't get real clear information like where some of these images come from right you know some of the people in the images so but i think it's just it's it fits with the character it fits with his Mm -hmm. background of the fact that you know he was a cop right and and you know the whole you know it's his job was you know is to protect people that's what it was but that's not the easiest job in that <laughs> world now. So, yeah. and uh, Tony, is that the part that maybe uh, didn't agree with you too much? Was kind of those hallucinations without any real <clears throat> explanation? <clears throat> yeah, the hallucinations thing is one of those what the f moments because <laughs> they because <clears throat> they only go through it like a few times during the movie and um it's not like they had to really explain anything but it's something I wish the movie kind of went into detail to and that's where I couldn't really I cared about Tom Hardy's character I liked him as Mad Max but I couldn't really get <clears throat> get behind his background like what they did with Mel Gibson's Mad Max because of mm-hmm. course they really explored his backstory and you know, the tragedy of him losing his wife and his infant son. But here I felt like they, they really could have gone at least in a little more details, at least give me enough to learn about something if this girl is really his daughter because I, I couldn't really tell if the girl was his daughter or just someone else from his past. So that was one of those things that just kind of had me lost when I was watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, 
Don, what about you and, and Mad Max and how they wrote him? I thought it was pretty clear in certain scenes that she was mm-hmm. calling him dad. Yeah. The, the little girl. It was pretty mm-hmm. clear that she was calling him dad. And I thought it was pretty clear that um, the the visions were representations of people real or imagined that he could not save. Mm-hmm. Who they were, it didn't necessarily I didn't feel it necessarily mattered who they were just that he carried the guilt of every person that he felt he failed Mm -hmm. yeah I'll carry those ghosts with us so I I felt that who they were didn't matter so much as what they represented which was his guilt his inner demons his failure um and uh, that's really what drove him mad, and that's really what uh, – and, and the quote, hope is a mistake, um, because every time he uh, allowed himself to hope, it, or presumably every time he allowed himself to hope, he failed – and therefore, he didn't want to connect anymore. And it was all part of the madness and the um, the loss and the tragedy of Max. And I would add to that, I don't think it's that just that he can't connect. I think that he doesn't feel he deserves yes, to connect. Yes, absolutely. Because, because he, he has failed so many people that he's not worthy of, of anything more than what he is. Correct, yes. And uh, anyone else want to add in on the um, Max character, how they were, how he was written? Just, just to go add on to what I was saying was that I mean, I, I and that the, that Tom Hardy's uh, because they they had this whole thing where he's got like this really severe like PTSD, um, and um, about like and and guilt and all that other stuff. And Don, I think your comments are just fantastic on that. Um, and it's it's uh. I, I think that they also wrote him, and this is another way where you could look at it either as a continuation or as just dropping you in the middle, uh, because his portrayal of the character, because of this, is different. It's not just that he's got these voices and stuff. He's also a lot more soft-spoken. He's ve- he's not as outwardly imitate intimidating. He's uh, very he's he's kind of twitchy in a lot of spots. He's a little yeah. skittish. He, he's a bit skittish in some things, which you yeah. can imagine being out there for so long. Yeah, so he's uh, like, so it's a, so it's a different way, and I think that um, I think that if another director was handling this movie, that there would be a lot of people that were upset by this. But I think that George Miller taking this and giving this kind of alternate way to look at the character was really was really something I think that's really interesting well, well you could tell George Miller is familiar with the character obviously since he's he created him and, and wrote him course, so, and, yeah. and that definitely comes across on screen uh, to be sure uh, Cole what about you uh, Mad Max's character uh, one one thing I wanted to get uh, your opinion on since you've seen it three times now yeah, wouldn't you say that his site not only do we get a character arc with him a little bit Oh but yeah, we get a character arc with his psychosis. <laughs> oh, yeah. It goes from driving him mad to, and again, this is something Don and I touched after we watched it. It goes from driving him mad to actually helping him and foreshadowing mm-hmm. what's going yeah, to happen. In the right direction, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Or oh, foreshadowing? I'm sorry, did I cut you yeah, off? No, no, that that's both the the how it developed and how it went from being kind of harmful to helpful. And also giving him a little foreshadowing of, of what was going to happen, like the whole arrow to the head. The arrow to the head, yes. Again, amazing. And and I'm gonna, you know, I just I have to address the complaint. Well, two complaints that there's no characterization and that there's no story. I think this thing is overflowing with story. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking to everybody who sent me these private mes- messages. If they are listening, I hope they are. Um, I, you know, this this film is overflowing with story, and I just want to touch because everybody else has touched on what I would rant and rave about, which is Tom Hardy is a genius. Watch watch uh, the drop and then lock as a double feature. If mm-hmm. you've never seen a Tom Hardy movie, and you'll understand what this man can do really with very little. And Bronson. But, um, and Bronson. There, there is a yeah. method Bronson, of. Yeah. There, there is a method of developing a character that does not revolve around dialogue. I mean, 
For instance, do we see that Charlize Theron has no arm right away? Not, yeah. not necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't necessarily, I mean, if you're paying attention, yeah, you, you can grab that it's a robotic. But really, the, the, the notion that she's just a straight-up amputee comes in the scene where, well, in the first shot, there's slight sexual innuendo. In the second shot that they show these girls, you realize that they're sex slaves. And in the next shot, they're kicking ass. But during those shots, you see that she's a straight-up amputee. And what that is, my friends, is character development. <laughs> it's not done through dialogue, and it's not necessarily done through ordinary means, but that doesn't necessarily signify a lack of script. No, that I, signifies I, that th- this is the writer and director of mm-hmm. the goddamn project, and he knows <laughs> long before he goes in what he's gonna do. You know, and that's just a different style. It doesn't make it over. That doesn't make it simplistic or bad. It just, it's a different style. You don't need everything in dialogue. Um, I'm sorry, I'm ranting. No, no, no. What I was, one of the things I was saying in my, in my review is that I said, you know, there's so much action in this movie. It's basically just like three huge action sequences with some, you know, cushion in between. And so I said there shouldn't be any room for any development of any kind except for the setup for the next sequence. (laughs) But in fact, this, they create, I felt they created an, an amazing world and, wonderful wonderful characters and, I, and it may and it, it it was one of those things it's when i said like this is the one we didn't think we we didn't could think we could happen we didn't it's more than what we expected it's the film we needed because it shows us that oh you can have a film that's like pretty much solid action and it still has all of this backstory, character development, everything, and it, but it's just trickier because you actually have to weave it into the story itself and not pause for it. And he doesn't, and it works great, I thought. It, it's because of the direction, and I, I think... Uh, oh, and yeah, the direction it, and the script and all that, yeah. It's, it's, what, uh, um, it's what Cole just said, and uh, I think we all kind of agree with this. In a modern, I, I, and this is just me speculating, talking out of my rear, but if this was directed a modern way, when we get to see Sharice uh, uh, Theron's character, you would have had a direct shot on the arm. You would have you had a specific shot specifically on her arm as she was walking up to go, yeah. hey, look, she's got a robotic arm. Yeah. And then we would have had a specific close-up shot of her removing the arm and showing that she's an amputee. And Absolutely. then we would have and, – and this is the thing that uh, – I, I totally agree with you on that, Scott, and I, uh, I'd love to get your guys' thought. This film, I think our modern action films up to this point, especially within the last number of years, have – handicapped our audience, not to them, they're fantastic viewers, but in by showing and really laying everything out and giving explanation to everything, when you get a film like this, I can see where there are reactions like that because most action films in the last, especially I'd say five or ten years, give us explanation and they don't let the audience think. And I would say that this film, even with the three action sequences, when you don't have that going on, would you guys say that this film actually makes the audience think, going, oh, this is how things are? Yeah, yeah, the definitely. World, the world building, am I off? The world building is part on screen and part inside the viewer's imagination. Absolutely. And that's why it's so freaking awesome, man. And why I think it's better than the original three is it almost... Really, you have got to use your brain mm-hmm. to get to get into this. If if you're not really paying attention and thinking, mm-hmm. you might not feel the heat for sure. Sure. No. It, what would you say, Paul? Would you say that he left it kind of up to the audience to try to figure out some of this stuff? Uh, definitely. Um, but I, I when I watched it, I was I wasn't really thinking about it though that's that's the weird thing that's why i'm like thinking now about all the things that i should have been thinking about it it was just to to me it's it was just like i was enjoying myself Mm -hmm. watching the film and and those little things are what the the nice little touches the the steering wheels the 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 speaker car with the with the guitarist in front yes 
little things that just added to the world. And, and I think in the in in the background, I think my subconscious put the world together. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't thinking, but I was I was putting together everything. You know. Sure. Sure, and and Tony, you said you would have liked to see some more explanation. What did you think about the world that he built, though? Even though you didn't get a full explanation about the world, what about visually entertaining or whatnot, the world that he paints? What, what did you think about that? <clears throat> well, vi- visually, I, I did like the world that he created, mm-hmm. and it's not like I need a whole lot of explanation. I just sure. wish, to, to me, I just wish there were things in this movie he could have made a little bit more clearer. He didn't mm-hmm. have to go like uh, like all in depth into it, but I would say like at least in some spots, try to make the little things more clear. But visually, mm-hmm. I did like the world he created, and despite how I do feel about this movie, I respect what he did have to go through to create this world. I respect that they created all of these uh, crazy vehicles, and that pretty much all the movie just with very minimal. You know, it was all practical effects. It was very minimal CGI. So I think visually he did create the world very well. Mm -hmm. He did a very splendid job creating it. Yeah, I, and I would agree in, uh, with that, and I think and think we're all agree with that, that it definitely felt like a Mad Max world amped up, but it was still Mad Max. Now, uh, let's talk about Furiosa, because we've uh, uh, mentioned her and her robotic arm in that. Dawn, uh, your impression of how they handled Sharif Theron's character, or how Sharif Theron handled her character, just just that character in general. What did you think, considering the action female stars we've had in the past? I thought she did a really uh, great job. Mm-hmm. Um, she did pretty much the well. She did pretty much the job I expected from her. Um, she she has a, a good history of of being an action star, um, even in movies that I haven't liked. So she she has a good background it, for it. Um, she's strong. She has a, a very strong camera presence. Um, excellent timing. Um, what about her uh, character itself, the way it was written? Um, did you feel at all that they wrote her too manly, or were they able no. to create a strong female character without her losing that she's female? It, male, female, it, it really didn't matter. She was a person. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't. I didn't feel that she gained or lost anything. She was a person trying to do what she believed was the right thing um, in a world that is hard, and she was a survivor. Um, even the even the 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 brides, the the breeders, whatever. Um, they were forced to have the appearance of femininity, but uh, they too were simply survivors. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, uh, aside from how they were dressed, I didn't <laughs> really see a whole lot of difference between between them. They were all badass and willing and able to do whatever it took. Um I believe I read somewhere that uh, the author of the vagina monologues or somebody connected with yeah. the vagina monologues yep. was brought on board to help make sure that or to help consult with those characters and I felt that was very successful. It's kind of weird hearing that, but yeah, she did. They they had to consult the the person who uh, I think wrote the vagina monologues come on as a consultant for the female characters, which you can kind of tell. Uh, Paul, what are the other? Uh, just one more thing I, I mm-hmm. really want to add. Aside from them, uh, something I liked is the men, male characters, didn't treat them any different from oh, the yeah. other male characters. It mm-hmm. was all, they were all just people. They were all just human ish people. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. no softness or pulling punches. Yeah, the only one who treats them differently, of course, is uh, a Morton Joe, but he treats everybody as just somebody, people who have a function and that are defined by that function. That's how he treats everybody. So. Exactly. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paul, what about you? Did you think uh, the female characters were handled very well? I mean, I got worried a little bit, like Don mentioned, of how that they had kind of what I call the beauty shot in there, the one and only one where they had the... 
uh, breeders out there, but then as the movie goes along, we find out they're not your trope. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, definitely would do that. I, I just uh, just to kind of add a little funny like anecdote. I kept thinking of the scene from Zoolander when they were doing that water scene. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. Oh, the gasoline one. The gasoline <laughs> thing. You know, where they were, and I was expecting them because I was like, well. Uh, I guess, yeah, that's water. That is really water. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, and about uh, uh, Furiosa, I, I like the fact that they, they kept her hair short because, to me, in that world, the, the short hair people, that's kind of why I cut my hair today. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be in Furiosa. All right. <laughs> because it, 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 uh, it had some practicality to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the fact that it, it seemed like, okay, um, you have you have this beautiful actress uh, who you know again did a wonderful job with the role, but from from the from the physicality part of it, you, you know you had this this person and they they she didn't have to look soft she she played a role and and it was a it was well done and and I and she was practical and, and she was uh, she had a purpose and and that's what I enjoyed about her character most of all. Um, yeah, she, she wasn't even the damsel in distress, and and that what I liked about the breeders was they, they didn't actually, weren't either. They really weren't either. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Tony, what do you think about Furiosa's character, at least as far as what we've seen from other action films for female roles and her role, the way it was written, as well as the breeders. Um, <clears throat> are the breeders the ones that she tagged along with? Yeah, the white, the the ones in the white. Uh, all oh, the the white all oh, the white gowns. Oh, okay. the white gowns uh, that she kidnapped, and the chastity belts that they took and off. The of chastity the belts, the vicious <laughs> chastity belts they had. Well, how yeah, did you think, um, compared to what we've seen in other action films, how they were handled? Um, Furious. <clears throat> even though, um, I would to me, I think she is the most developed. Even though, only to me, it only felt like there were a couple of scenes where they try to focus on her. Like that one moment where she kind of sees what happened to her homeland. I mean, Charlie Theron. I mean, she she really did nail her part as Furiosa. I thought she did bring what she could to the character for what the script did give her. Um, she was believable enough in her role. Um, I cared about her despite she could have had more development, but I was still able to get behind enough. So I thought what how George Miller handled her character. I thought. She she was a pretty strong female character because you know and some of these movies you know the females are just look like oh you're you're a female you can't do this but it's like what some of you have said in this movie she does show that no one should mess around with someone like Furiosa <laughs> no. so so I, I in terms of Furiosa in terms of her as a female character I thought she was handled well but the breeders. Oh my gosh! I thought the acting on the breeders was just god awful. I, <laughs> I I thought the actresses did terrible, and I know I'm sounding harsh there, but I just felt like they didn't do a good job. It just kind of felt like they were sitting there the whole time going. <laughs> well, aren't most of them Ooh. models to begin with? Uh, yeah, Rosie Huntington. And the funny thing is that in my movie review, I said they all look like a bunch of fucking models. And someone a commented on my review going, that's because one of them in reality is a model. <laughs> uh, but I, did, I, did, I didn't care about the, the bellowers, the wives. I'll call them the wives. I didn't really think they served any purpose. Like, yeah, here and there they kind of gave Furiosa the tools that she needed to go on fighting. But to me, honestly, they weren't strong. I thought they have. I thought they had no personalities to them whatsoever. They were. They just weren't interesting to me at all. So I really, I really did not care for the wives at all, honestly. Well, one thing I will say, uh, and Glenn, I wanted to get your thought with that though, with the the wives and Furiosa, uh, the way they wrote them though. We really don't. They are all pretty useful, and they get their. They all get their hands dirty, uh, even though we we don't get a whole lot of uh, setup with them. But wouldn't you say that George Miller played off the trope a little bit with the one beauty shot? But then you realize everything is explained of why the girls are dressed like that and why they might not be so you know have a personality. 
<laughs> Do you think they explain that fairly well with that? They set that up so it's not just a, a you know they're in there for good looks. No, I think they set it up. I think they set it up quite well. Um, I mean, these are. I mean, first of all, figure. They, you know, their only socialization for the most part is with each other. Right. Because they're not out mingling with the crowds. Uh, there's no school they're going to. You know, school school's been out for a while now in the. Uh, in the <laughs> um, so, I, I think the purpose of them is is that I mean. These were obviously women who were chosen for their purpose because of their looks. Mm-hmm. So, um, not saying that that they don't have personalities, but that's not that's not why they were picked for what what they were picked for. Right. Um, and I've heard, I was just reading some stuff where people were complaining that uh, these women wouldn't have been chosen as breeders because they're too thin and willowy, and they. But, you know, I, I don't. I don't think that you know your your wasteland warlord is thinking about that specifically when he's looking to figure out what women he's going to own. Um, also, 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 too, though, they, it was important that they could bring to term a child that was healthy. Because mm-hmm. said, because you look at all the past ones, and they were all mis- kind of misshapen and. And I'd think those are people that didn't make it through, you know. Yeah, yeah certainly. I, I think these people. I, well, I think a big part is they were chosen for their their looks. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because you know it's also people will you know, some people will associate you know someone attractive you know is going to breed you know pretty healthy babies, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily true, but you know. But again, the mentality, yeah. yeah mentality. So I think I think the characters were fine. Um, I, I mean, I I think that they played the the roles they were they were selected to play. Do you, you, know? do you think Furiosa uh, threatened the masculinity of Mad Max? <laughs> I can't, no, I can't even right. say that with a straight no, face. No, I really can't say that with um, a straight face. Wow, what, Furiosa though. That's, uh, that's the complaint about the, of all the douchebags, isn't it? Yes, yes. I, I, I love okay. the one thing where one of the biggest things they got mad about is that she barks orders at Max. No one barks orders at Mad Max. I'm like, um, have you watched the movies? Except <laughs> I'm like, Tina Turner barks orders at him. A Master Blaster barks orders at him. Uh, his boss in the first movie, his partner in the first movie, um, lots the of people the in the Warrior. Uh, he gets barked at a lot. The dude, yeah. the dude who played Jared Sin. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, uh, he gets barked at all the time, and she doesn't really bark orders at him all that much. And the thing is, is he takes initiative a lot more on doing things than she does. I think. She she has her plan of what she's gonna do. She's gonna drive these folks out there, and she's gonna get to the green land and be safe. But aside from driving the rig, there, there there isn't a lot of the things that she's possibly thought of that Max takes care of at times. So I right. think they work well as a team because because she can she brings Max a bit out of his shell, and and because he's kind of a. Uh, you know, a, a little trembly guy for a bit, and and scared of her in a way, even though when he's got the drop on her. But I, I think that they work well as a team because she's strong, but she still has some vulnerability to her because there's, you know, she when she reminisces a bit about the Greenland and where she came from, that little bit, and the fact that she cares about these women mm-hmm. shows that she has, you know, she has emotion. She's not just this, you know, wrecked person. And I think that helps Max a bit because he's not the only person who's broken. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think her character kind of helps him see that, that there's other people that are just as damaged as he is, if not more. But you yeah. still, you know, and she's kind of the, I think when she barks at him, it's kind of the, yeah, we fucking need you right now. <laughs> and I think that kind of snaps him out a bit where he, you know, he, he gets back more into that. That's right. You know, I help people and, he still has the you know the ghost of his past, but I think they I think they make a great team together. I, I think they complement each other really well. Yeah, I I would definitely say, and I he he sees her as another almost like another soldier, wouldn't you say, Cole? That that his view of her isn't exactly oh she's a woman and she's tough. It's just like oh you're you're a tough person that tried to beat the snot out of me and 
You know what? That just ticked yeah. me off. Yeah, man. I, 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 I don't see... Yeah, absolutely. I think that's dead on. I mean, it's like I was talking about in that, in that sequence earlier, which you call the beauty shot. Thank you. That's yeah. a good reference because if someone was to ask me, you know, why do you like this movie, I would point to that whole sequence, like I said, which starts with the beauty shot, back to Max, watching them, back to the uh, chastity belt being cut off, yeah. back to Max, and back to Charlize Theron, you're, you're, it's revealed that she's an amputee, that she's missing an arm. That whole sequence, you're getting massive information. But what it's also doing immediately and directly is eschewing the notion that these are going to be sex symbols. Yeah. And, and if you continue to see them as sex symbols, then I think the movie might have left you in the dust in that scene. Um, you know, the, this, the water that these women are splashing off of themselves, and that's one shot, if I remember correctly, yeah. turns into a need for life. As soon as Max sees it, the narrative fo- you know, makes you focus. No, 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 this isn't sexy. This guy needs water. He doesn't yeah, care what they look like. Care. Well, it was just—it was just such a. I think it was the surrealism of the shot is that he's just dragged this guy that's attached to him through a transfusion thing, like half a mile. He's like comes out there, comes around there. He thinks he's gonna see somebody that he has to hijack, and he sees. Oh my God! It's Victoria's Secret. <laughs> it's like you know, it's it's it, it's like it's one of the moments of levity, few moments of levity, and it lasts for just a second, and where he, it takes him a minute to like orient himself, and then and then all of a sudden, water, um, water. Yeah, I could I could just imagine the commercial. Hey boys, you want to join the post-apocalyptic? The post-apocalyptic world will come by Victoria's Secrets bras and panties. Oh, <laughs> Whip you with chains. Water. <laughs> you know, yeah, the thing about the, those characters is fantastic. It's it is true they're all survivors. I think Furiosa is such a fantastic character. And yeah, I know I actually will go farther than some of you guys who were saying I th- they make a good team. No, I think Max comes close to being a supporting character in the movie at certain mm-hmm. points. I'm totally fine with that because I think it's how he was written this time, and I think it's how she was written. I didn't see her so much as a strong woman. I thought she was a strong character. She was an amazing character. In fact, I know that George Miller wants to do more of these. Good news, good news. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, honestly, if he said for the next one, he says, you know what, guys, I changed my mind. I think the next one I'm just going to make about Furiosa. I'd be cool with that, honestly, because I liked her character so much. Uh, these, you know, and it's... there. I mean, you were bringing it up before, and I think, you know, to give it a little context for people who are listening to this for the first time, that, that there is a, a group of morons out there that call themselves men's rights activists. <laughs> and these people are the biggest fucking waste of skin <laughs> I swear, and they and they these are guys that view basically are viewing it, you know any progress to give equal representation to women as like a threat against them, which is a wrong thing to do because that's exactly how the white people in South Africa behaved during apartheid. It's exactly yeah. how uh, people behave when women got the right to vote in this country. Guys, chill out. You're guys, and you're living in America. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Preach that, preach. It's not a threat. Not a threat at all. It's equality. It's better for all of us. (laughs) It it makes for a better movie because Mad Max is is supposedly – his name's in the title, so he's supposedly the hero. And at every turn, everybody's defined. (laughs) he 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 gets outvoted. Several times, you know. He uh, shows up, grabs the water, and the minute he starts grabbing the water, he gets tackled and gets the crap beat out of him. Just when he thinks he's got the upper hand, one of the uh, the wives stands up to him and is defiant and starts walking towards the truck even after he shoots at her. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he that's the thing. He doesn't he doesn't come off as that uh, as that. As the uh, outwardly intimidating person he did in Road Warrior, if that's what you want, then watch that movie again. This is a different way of looking at it. You can either look at it as a different look at the character or what the character is transformed into, depending on how you look at things. But uh, it's uh, 
it, it, it's just uh, I think it was a really interesting way to write the characters. Well, I just love it too because it's a breakaway from the standard action type of thing that we've gotten up until now. I mean, even you know, it's usually written that that's part of the character that they write to where she uses some of her sexuality to her advantage to distract the guys. But in this one, we have none of that here. No, I mean, these these ladies, most of them, I mean, each of the breeders kind of felt like a representation of a different aspect. You had the one who wanted to go back because she she's like, oh, he'll take us back, he'll forgive us. And then you have the, the strong motherly one who's the most pregnant who also is the first one to sacrifice herself. Yeah. Oh, that, you know, was, that was rough. You know, well, yeah. I just, I love the shot of, my, one of my favorite shots is of uh, Emoten Joe taking a sh- uh, aim at Furiosa through the window, and then, or, or no, at Max through the window, and then the, the one uh, female who's most pregnant just opens the door and puts herself yeah. right in the ass. Fantastic! Yeah, it was that thing, and that's but when he. Then, but if you notice, then Emoten Joe had one of his war boys threw themselves in front of him when he got shot. Uh, yeah, yeah. This concludes part one of our two-part Mad Max Fury Road discussion. Make sure you check out part two, which you can find on iTunes or SpecialMarkProductions.com, along with our other archived episodes. And head on over to PodcastLand.net and vote for the Spoiler Room. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy.